Welcome to the incremental first ever gaming panel. We invited gaming user acquisition experts from all around the world to share their thoughts about the aftermath of COVID-19 and Apple's app tracking transparency. How did these mega changes influence game marketing forever? What positives came out of these changes? What the hell is a quarantini? We hope you'll enjoy listening to our panel. Hi everybody, uh, welcome to the incremental first ever gaming panel. Um, this is a panel rather than a round table, which means I'll be asking questions and most of the time shutting up, which is a nice change for everybody. Um, yeah, so what we picked as the topic for our panel is the aftermath, question mark, of COVID and ATT, a topic that no one has heard of whatsoever in the last year. Um, starting uh, with introducing one another, um, who wants to go first? Ladies first, let's start with Claire. Uh, thank you, that's really kind. <laughs> um, hello, so my name is Claire, I work at Gameloft, I'm Senior User Acquisition Manager. Um, Gameloft is a gaming company, one of the first, I think, and uh, and amazing one, like, uh, don't hesitate if uh, you're looking for uh, a job, uh, reach me directly. Okay, I can go next. Um, there's no break. I'm Nebo. I'm a director of user acquisition at Zynga. Uh, uh, I've been in this space for a while. That's not my first incremental podcast either, so I won't, I won't do a long introduction. Uh, before Zynga, it, uh, uh, I was at Network Machine Zone in Nordius. Cool. Um, my name is Adam Jaffe. I'm the CEO of Mega Studios. We're a gaming company slash agency based out of Barcelona. Uh, working with some big companies now. Um, been in the mobile gaming space for the last 15 years, or for companies like Playtica, Jam City, Social Point, Moon Active, Wooga, you name it, I probably had some hand in there whatsoever. And been also a friend to, to Incremental and as, a, as an advisor to the company. Um, and this is also not my first Incremental podcast, so happy to be here. I'm uh, Filippo. Um... I guess I, I'm fortunate as well. Not my first podcast, but I work um, as uh, the growth uh, chief growth officer. It's just a top t job title uh, at uh, Traplight, uh, covering UA, admon, uh, creative, customer support, social media, uh, all that stuff. Um, uh, before I worked at uh, Pixelberry and then a few other companies that are known or not known depending on where you where you are uh, gaming for about 10 years or so cool so welcome back everybody it's uh, it's awesome having you on our zoom line do i introduce myself actually since it's a panel i don't know no adam is signaling no claire is saying yes i'm gonna listen to claire hi i'm or and i'm a ceo and co-founder of incremental uh, at tech industry for the last 20 years. Uh, so yeah, I've been doing this for quite a while. Um, I was previously CEO at AppLift where I got pretty much infatuated with the world of attribution and what's good and what's not so good about it. And decided to um, yeah, start Incremental with a co-founder about almost a year ago. Yeah. And yeah, so we started our company during COVID time and uh, Maybe we start with our first question, like how uh, how did your role change over the last 18 months and basically how did Corona go for you? And I think maybe Adam can start because Adam also invented a new type of coffee during the lockdown. 
<laughs> That's true. I did. I was internet famous for about a day. Uh, and, and then I was again internet famous, exactly Reddit famous. I was front page top for implementing um, quarantine coffee, which is just like normal coffee, except there is no coffee. It's just got a margarita in it. And that seems. <laughs> yeah, anyway. Um, so, how did my role change? Well, I think, you know, over the last 18 months, the. It's not that my role has, has shifted, it's that the companies that I've worked for have become simply just much more open-minded about where I'm sitting or the fact that they're just, they just don't need these co-located studios. You know, there was this big scramble. I was working for Jam City right at the beginning of it. You know, basically I was traveling, traveling, traveling and then not able to. So everyone was freaking out. And actually for me, it was like, well, this is a normal business for me. I'm based in Barcelona, working for this company based in the US. And actually I was helping to lead a team in, in Buenos Aires at the time. And so we just sort of kept on business as usual. And what I found was that that's basically what everyone else has, has been doing up until this point. And so the, the kind of the Zoom meetings, you know, it was more on communication and there's some things that have nuances that have been lost. So I'm, a, I'm the type of manager that, you know, I like to see my team. You'd be just sitting in amongst them and listening and trying to hear, oh, this thing's happening over here. And I, I'm really good at kind of doing those, those connectors. And since I didn't have that anymore, um, I had to sort of change up my management style, change up how I communicated with my teams, the types of meetings I was having. And I also realized that, you know, you needed to take time for yourself. You know, you could always work. And so what's happened over the last 18 months is I realized that if I set good processes and I can like let my teams go, then I can have more time to just kind of think and, and relax a bit more. And Claire, you, um, you had an interesting experience during the Corona times because you also changed countries and companies, right? Yes, uh, I'm back in France. Uh, I think that's why my, my accent is getting even worse, you know. <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, like uh, I made uh, my onboarding at Gameloft uh, all remotely and I really, um, I really faced, um, you know, so, some struggle. I, I, I wasn't like, um, like I, I, I never thought I would have, like, you know, like when you just grab your, your computer and uh, and you're here and uh, of course you can't see your teams because the uh, office are still closed, like, oh, you integrate and so on. So it's really big questions. Uh, for me, it was fine. I think uh, I really was lucky and fortunate enough, enough to be uh, in, a, in an environment where I could learn a lot and everyone was sharing. So it was uh, pretty much okay, but changing of country and job during this uh, period, I think it's really challenging. And I think actually a lot of UA managers did it. Like, uh, I think I'm the most operational here, so I can, I can tell that we had a lot of job offer during uh, this time and a lot of people moved uh, because uh, the gaming market was really healthy and the revenue curves we saw here was uh, really great. So, um, so yeah, I think it, a lot of UA managers faced, I think the challenge I, I faced and uh, I think it was kind of a unique adventure to, to live. Uh, I also changed my job during COVID, so that was that was quite interesting. Uh, starting in a new company has 3,500 people, where I don't know literally anyone. I knew maybe two people when I joined, so it was quite an adventure just to like try to figure out how do you get to know people and make things happen in such a big uh, organization. Uh, but at this point, people are so used to working from home and like you know just jumping on Zoom and talking about like challenges, issues, whatnot. So that was pretty interesting and. And that's why I think that remote is going to stay, you know, it's going to become a norm and we'll have more guys like Adam working from Barcelona for like American companies or something like that. Um, another thing that changed, there's two more things that changed in the past year. 
Um, my role essentially changed uh, from like a UA guy and, you know, just like spending most of the time uh, making decisions about media buying to becoming essentially a data plumber and figuring out like what the hell is going on with like SK network data, how to ingest it, what to do with it, uh, you know, how to build like an improved attribution model using the data. So the role became significantly more kind of data focused than than media buying focus simply because the data that we're using to make campaigns or that the teams are using to make campaigns change a lot. And the last thing that changed is that because of COVID, I think essentially we didn't really have like a Q1 dip. Um, Q1 was like Q4, everybody was going crazy and buying, you know, lots of traffic and, and bidding pretty aggressively, uh, which meant like lower ROS and increased costs. So those are kind of three main things that they changed for me in the last 18 months. Was your was your question more more about uh, us as individuals or? Uh, I think teams? it's a mix. I think it's a mix. We all pretty much know each other, and if we didn't know each other, now we do. So, <laughs> really, like you know. Um, no, I think uh, 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 me, well, me personally, I think I've lived through the experience of many many others, including I'm sure Adam as well. Like you know, uh, working with a bunch of kids at home is. Is a, is a challenge. Uh, how do you say no to your to your own kids is is an even bigger challenge. Now, as far as uh, I, I think we, I had a pretty interesting experience um, working already by default with a studio that is in a different geography than I am, uh, and they themselves were used to just being all together in a tiny studio um, in the very traditional, you know, uh, Finnish culture, barefoot in the studio, et cetera. Um, so COVID served them a really bad punch in the face, um, uh, but they transitioned beautifully. And while this transition was happening, there was also kind of a cultural shift in the company from being purely development focused and just that to launching, going live, et cetera, et cetera, and becoming a live ops studio uh, while still developing, obviously. So I think it's it was very interesting to have so many changes happening at the same time. And I think what really mattered was doing some pretty obvious common sense exercises, but that were really important for the evolving culture of the company. So set values, you know, what do we care about? What's our vision? and have everyone express an opinion. Um, and also, you know, these were the first attempts at OKRs, and I had needed a few mistakes and a few trials and errors. But it was sort of important to include in the OKRs things like, you know, take care of yourself, you know, those kinds of objectives. Because fundamentally, one of the biggest things that has changed is that work has become pretty personal. I mean, this was already a small industry where we all know each other and all this business. And, you know, so there's a very fine line between uh, friendship and professional relationship. But we really need to take extra care now about the people we work with are actually, you know, looking after themselves and not just sort of working from home 14 hours a day, ridiculous, because you've got nothing better to do because you can't go out, you can't party, you can't do anything. So it's really important to kind of explicitly say okay stop working you know like you've done more than enough for today go and take a break yeah who cares i can't go anywhere but go sit in front of the tv you know do something different um 
And it sounds like just stating the obvious, but you have to kind of really iterate the obvious and say, look, uh, especially because you're at home, you know, go up and down the stairs 10 times or something to work out a bit with your body. And so that that's different from what it used to be. We didn't care so much what you did at home before, you know, now we do. <laughs> By the way, funnily enough, that today is the first time I've been in an office in the last year and a half. So I'm here at a WeWork in Berlin uh, with my co-founder, who I haven't actually seen since February 2020, uh, before we even started the company. So, yeah, and kind of leads me to the next question. Um, again, you guys are representing gaming companies, so you probably should know, are we in the aftermath of COVID? This one... So I think that the what what COVID really presented was, as I think Filippo was correctly pointing out, right? This people just didn't have a lot to do, and they couldn't they couldn't drink. Well, that they couldn't drink. They couldn't go out. They couldn't. So all those that entertainment sphere that you know that pie that we always talk about us having this segment, all of a sudden it just disappeared. And so you you'd see all these companies like, yeah, we had this game from like ten years ago. It never made money. All of a sudden it started growing and revenue was through the roof. But I'm like. Yeah, that's what happens when people don't have anything to do. I mean, it's typical for what you would see through the summertime. Certain types of products in the summer really gain. You know, you start to see those spiky, spiky, spiky day in, day out, day AU ups and downs. And all of a sudden, then it just flattens. And you're like, oh, right, because there's nobody going to work. You're all on vacation. And, and the difference here was that I think there was a, a combination of things. So, you know, I, one of the things that's quite interesting is I work in, I worked in TV for a while, running TV campaigns for different companies and, and also for my own company. And when they would sell you the media, one of the things that they would really be aware of was say, hey, you got to look at the weather report, because if it's a nice day, you're going to get way less traffic. I was like, I don't, what, what are you talking about? And they're like, yeah, the weather has a big impact on whether people are going to be watching TV or not. And so you have to know your time. It's not just the seasonality, it's also the weather. And I think with this, what we were really seeing was that this is a cap, we basically had this captive audience that had a lot of fear, they needed an escape. And TV and everything was just really depressing. Like you didn't have sports. If you did, it was like in this really weird empty stadium thing, which nobody liked. And so I think gaming had this, you know, it was this renaissance of, of captive audience. And what we're seeing today is that that's no longer the case. And what we're, and what we're stepping into is a world in which, you know, you've got I, iOS, which essentially you can't market in very well. I mean, the whole idea of ROAS is essentially dead in the way we've we've come to know it in the last sort of five years anybody that worked in marketing before before 2015 remembers contextual bidding and remembers how facebook used to be that likes and interests of course and since lookalikes have basically become the dominant form of of marketing you've you've sort of given over everything to the companies so where i think we're seeing ourselves now is we're stepping out of that people are going back to work they're you know life is getting back to normal people are are actually they're like fleeing in a way the gaming side they're like i want to be at the bar i want to be with my friends and so i think we're, we're in this sort of dip in in terms of where where people are at and what they want to be doing but i i think there's more it's, it's less like we're stepping out of it i think we're now in this kind of weird hangover period where people are kind of like you know, do I come outside? Do I not come outside? I still have my like comforted game, but like, it's almost like a reminder of like where they were. So I think we're kind of edging out of that. Thank you, Adam, by the way, for the very detailed response. Maybe, uh, maybe Nebo and Claire cannot give the same detailed results uh, or answers since their company is public, but you guys decide how you want to, if you want to answer this and how you want to answer this is, you know, is COVID over? I mean, 
I will just react on what Adam said because it sounds funny for me because I remember when COVID began, like everyone was, uh, hypercausal is going to go down because people, they don't take the subway and so they don't play when they commute and so on. And now, Adam, you're saying like the opposite. So now people, they will get alive, basically go to the bar and don't play anymore. Um, I think it's balanced. I don't think like entertainment is going to go out uh, one day by another. And I think people, they really enjoy to play during this hard time. And I like to think that they, they really found, find gaming, you know, like something that made them like, you know, feel more, I don't know, like secure maybe when it was really hard time because last year was terrible to be honest. Like let's, let's not, uh, I mean, even if gaming company made revenue, like I think like people, they, they really, I mean, it was really hard. Like it never happened in the world. Uh, I mean, in all the time, and I think Clipo uh, say, said it perfectly, like it was a struggle for employees, for everyone, because you, we are just in front of your computer and you get used to it now, like to be on your phone, on your, on your computer and so on. And even if you go outside one day by another, I don't believe that you're going to stop to, to play. So I'm not sure like the, the curve of gaming is going to go down. And actually when you look at all the top companies, they are all right now organizing some soft launch or stuff to, to have new games out. So do you think it's because they were in safe in a safe zone and they are only investing for investing or maybe because there is a market? I, me, I'm one of those that think that they had a lot of success and now they continue because they are smart enough to, to say that it's, there is some stuff to do there and there is a lot, a lot of potential even after COVID-19. Yeah, I'll, I'll just like quickly add that I think what we're referring is COVID here, um, which has been like a huge DAU dump, uh, DAU uh, jump across the entire industry that happened maybe like in, in Q2 last year. There was that, that kind of, it was done after like a few months because, you know, people just like, you know, sports started like showing up back on TV and there was just like more things to do in some countries, lockdown was over. Um, and then, you know, different countries had different kind of, uh, ways how they treated COVID. And I can definitely see that, like, especially because I spent the entire period of COVID in the US where everything was closed, in San Francisco where everything was closed. And that wasn't really the case in Europe. So I think that initial kind of spike was over after a few months. And a good thing about that spike was that we got a lot of first time mobile game players because people were bored. They were looking for new type of content and they actually found it in like mobile games or streaming services, et cetera, et cetera. And a lot of them are still like engaged players. and in the, the retention curve of engaged players is different and you know they're going to stick around they're still going to play regardless of what the kind of what's going on outside um you know there might not be as many players as before but that doesn't really uh matter because you know the engaged players are spending most of the money and and you know we a good thing is that we did find like new new players out there um uh and i'm pretty sure that like i think adam's point is is pretty much, you know, uh, uh, is, you know, everything we like wanted to like learn here. It's basically, there's a huge seasonality kind of thing here. It's summer. People are finally out after a long time. Airports are packed again. So there might be a small dip in terms of engagement, but I think as soon as like, you know, September comes and colder weather, we're going to be back to the old numbers. So that, that's, that's, I think what's going to happen here um, in the next few months. Filippo, well, what kind of trends have you seen and are we in the aftermath in your view and um, if the aftermath is defined as 
what we're seeing now with uh, there are still quite a lot of people who fortunately were employed still, but they still got some, maybe some help or subsidy or whatever. And at the same time, spent much less money on these, um, you know, other forms of entertainment, but preferred spending more money on streaming and games like Nebo was saying, uh, you know, then uh, we are in this period now. And I think we, we're, we're still seeing people spend money. Uh, we still see people engaged. Um, there was a sort of a seasonal effect that Nebo put it really well. It was sort of a big seasonal effect, if you will. But I think uh, right now we're seeing still people continuing the habits that they formed in the COVID era. They're still spending a lot of money that they saved uh, from not spending it in COVID. Uh, so I don't know whether this is the right way to call it like the aftermath uh, or it's over I mean it's more like a, it's a different season type behavior in, in the data and it's actually I, I would like to argue that compared to other summer numbers I've seen in the past these are pretty great numbers for a summer um, past summers I remember were a little more depressing in terms of the numbers because people were really just running away you know school is over beach and all that it was it was much less uh, engagement in certain summers so it's actually a pretty good summer um and and i yeah firmly believe what he was saying as well that i think comes the winter we're back to square one i mean i hate to say this but the problem is not over so this is a great time to be in gaming i would argue by the way are you guys vaccinated first of yes i get my second one on the 19th and those who are vaccinated, are you magnetized? Oh, obviously. Yes. And it is cool. I mean, I'm, I'm really enjoying, I'm enjoying my conversations with Bill. Yes. And better reception, right? Of course. Everywhere you go. It's unbelievable. Yes. So you have something to look forward to, Claire. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, kind of, uh, Aniba, you, start, you touched on this question already, but which lockdown trends stuck around what have you seen that's kind of like faded away if we strip aside the summer seasonality from the question? I mean, we have a lot of, uh, a lot of new uh, customers. Uh, simply people spent more time on, on their screens. They were looking for new types of content, of new content. Um, I mean, there was like a huge proliferation of streaming services, a lot of new, uh, a lot of new streaming services like you know, Disney Plus are growing, there's Peacock, there's um, uh, I don't even know. There's like way too many at this point. Um, uh, on, on the gaming side, you know, we just got like, there's a lot of new players um, in the space. I think we saw a lot of new uh, developers in the top grossing lists as well, um, uh, which, is, which is refreshing given that the top grossing list uh, has been like, or had been pretty stale for like quite some time. And, and now we have like quite a few new games uh, out there. Uh, again, because there's like a lot of new players looking for different type of content, and and that was like a huge opportunity for a lot of developers, um, and and I'm glad that's still the case. They, these people are still playing games. Not sure what was the second question, uh, which trends faded. Exactly. I mean, the, I think we're going to spend like quite some time. Uh, UA faded. <laughs> I'm kidding. You know, the the way we did UA is changing, obviously, uh, with like the introduction of AT, ATT and iOS privacy. Um, uh, uh, attribution privacy um, related changes 
you know, we won't be able to look at the at the data the same way we did. Uh, so, um, you know, the, we're going to talk about this a lot, I guess, in, in, in the next few minutes. But, you know, we just like the old trends, UA trends are fading away and we have to kind of accept the new new reality and, and start figuring out how do we deploy money uh, more efficiently. Um, or we're figuring it out as, as we go right now. So it's not really uh, something that we have a lot of time for, but uh, you know, it's, it's something we're learning about every every minute. So I think one thing that's <clears throat> one thing that is worth mentioning is that you mentioned these streaming services. Well, platforms like TikTok and Instagram, like those platforms grew substantially. And so I think what is interesting is that we now have even there's even more eyeballs in in sort of more places, which is nice. You know, you before the pandemic, you I mean, you talked about TikTok, you talked about Snapchat, these were platforms, but I think those had also kind of renaissances in terms of their user growth and, and just how much time people were spending hours and hours. So I think what we're coming out of now is with a lot more places to find users at the end of the day. So it's not just this two horse race between Google and Facebook anymore and Apple of course doing whatever it is that it's doing <clears throat> uh, well or otherwise. Um, we can talk about Apple search ads and whatever else that they're trying to build. But um, <clears throat> the, for me, what I'm seeing, at least in terms of things which will, you know, trends which are going to fade, I think the, the big thing that I feel is going to fade is this like just unprovoked growth in DAU. That's not going to happen anymore. What, what happened in March, is, as Neil puts out this idea of like the seasonal growth, like that doesn't happen anymore. We're not going to get these random games resurging, you know, surging through, you know, for DAU and, and whatnot. I think it's kind of back to the basics of UA, monetization, getting your team back up. Um, but I think what we are finding ourselves in is, is that there's a lot more media to buy, even if it's a little bit more expensive, um, there's more eyeballs out there. So you're kind of at this balance point. Um, and we'll see, we'll see what happens. I, as you mentioned, we're going to talk a little bit about ATT and its impact, but uh, that's obviously something that has nothing to do with COVID, but it's impacting us nonetheless. There's one more thing I wanted to add. One thing that's really amazing is that there's like a lot of people who are now like used to digital content and that is completely changing, for example, education. Uh, maybe like before COVID, you were never used an app to learn how to play guitar. But now there's like a ton of content on how to play guitar, how to cook, how to make sourdough and whatnot. People are getting more used to like consuming digital content. There's like a lot of people who are a little older who, are, who haven't been like doing that before this, uh, before COVID. And now they're used to you know, learning things and consuming different types of content. And that means, again, more eyeballs and more kind of revenue coming to, to our products. Yeah, I read somewhere, by the way, I'm like, sorry to interject with an answer myself or kind of like a point, uh, but I read somewhere that e-commerce as a whole experienced a 10 year growth in one year. And those numbers, so that ramp up will not go down. People who are not used to buying anything online, ordering food online, ordering whatever, are now comfortable with this. Yeah, so this okay. is kind of like this uh, um, huge momentum push that will just stay. Maybe we won't see the same curve, of course, or likely, but it's a lot of- We, 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 have, a, we have a supermarket right next door and we still global stuff to our house. I mean, it takes would take less time for me to walk to the store to pick up eggs or whatever. 10 minutes, Globo, it's here would never in a hundred years. I know, I know buy things which are across the street, which I would have probably been better off going there and actually looking at. I'm constantly buying stuff. I'm like, I didn't need this. This is the wrong size. It doesn't fit. Whatever, just send it back. I think that's a big shift. You're right. 
So I think the one uh, faded away is definitely all the branding that we had uh, outside, like um, offline investment, uh, you know, in uh, it was kind of cut down. Now, like lives goes on and now brands uh, are investing ba back. Um, so the trends that stuck, I think uh, it's definitely uh, the industry uh, and the acquisition we are seeing, like we are still seeing a lot of uh, uh, gaming companies buying some uh, programmatic uh, big companies and so on. I think this uh, it made uh, the it made like the it made our market um, really strong. And I think it's the consolidation we are seeing are not going to go away, even less with uh, iOS 14 and so on. And uh, what faded away, I think it's like uh, the brands that stopped to, to spend in pending and now it's uh, fully back. So uh, we need now to, to fight against uh, those uh, CPM basically. Well, I think uh, the, the trend that has stuck still, even though we, we've changed the, the audiences and people are more used to digital content and so on, but we're still stuck with the algorithms one way or the other. So, you know, some form of, forgive the term, clickbait works, or some people call it fake ads, or some people, you know, whatever you want to call it. But that's that doesn't seem to be uh, going anytime soon. Um, so I think what would be nice to see is uh, more care for, you know, this growing uh, population of digital adopters, whether very young, very old, because they probably respond differently to, to, to ads in general, but the algorithms were configured uh, a few years back where consumer behavior was a bit different. Um, and so we're still supplying ads which are not, you know, amazing necessarily, but they get results. Um, so, you know, that, that's still stuck with us and we haven't seemed to be moving away from that. What faded away? Tracking. <laughs> that definitely faded. Not COVID related, but whatever. By the way, that's <laughs> like we are moving now to the next, I would say, section of this panel. Now, you know, while we were in like lockdown mode um, last year, Apple decided let's make our lives, you know, more fun more interesting and they dropped uh, an announcement with us now before we go into it um what did you think will happen like worst case scenario and uh, we're gonna get to what actually happened but what was your like nightmare so um when they dropped the announcement um there was uh, obviously an immediate um well, at least for most people that I spoke to, kind of like a panic moment. I actually want to. I want to say this. I'm grateful because, despite you know what can be argued for and against, um, thanks to these things, we still have jobs and we're useful. You know, because we're we're paid to think about these problems and try to solve them. You know, um, so you know I am sort of grateful at the same time. Although yeah, there was a ridiculous amount of work that needed to be done, and you know there was plenty of naysaying, and it's you know the end of time, and uh, we won't.
won't be able to do any more UA on iOS, et cetera, et cetera. So that was the worst case scenarios that came out were awful. They were terrible. Um, so that, I mean, you know, and most of them, forgive me for saying, were quite imaginative because some people were more than anything else trying to cause some confusion so that they would go to those people and say, hey, you sound like you know what you're talking about. Do you have a solution for this? Of course, I already made it. Even before they invented the thing, I made it. Okay. So there was a little bit of noise in the background with a lot of uh, terrible apocalyptic scenes. Yeah, I mean, I think when I heard the announcement, I think th I think the first thing there was a lot of confusion because I, I, I got the sense that not a lot of people really understood what was taking place. And I think, you know, because Apple also gave literally no information other than like some things, you know, users will have the ability to have this pop up. And I think that the biggest fear was just what that said. You know, this app would like to track across apps it doesn't own. It was highly predatory. And so people were like, no one, I, I don't accept those. Like I would never accept that pop up in a million years. It makes no sense to me. And so I think, you know, there was it just really depending on who you talk to. I think to Felipe's point, you talk to guys. I remember having a bet with uh, somebody from uh, Apple of it. He was talking about 70% adoption rate. I was like, dude, okay, I can't say what I, what I told him, but I was like, that's not right. You're definitely, I was like, it's gonna be closer to 20%, maybe 30 would be like best case scenario. And I think the, then as I was, you know, so I, I at that moment, I'd also joined this company called Dataseed. And so we were going around talking to different companies, talking about what that meant, how does, you know, what is contextual bidding? A lot of people didn't know what that meant, you know, that you're not going to be able to use lookalikes anymore for signaling. And, you know, you're not going to have this like pass back where you're going to know the ID of the user and what that means for monetization. And you got the real kind of deer in headlights look. A lot of people just were like, I don't really understand how this impacts my business. And that's where I felt like, and we're talking about big companies, Plarium, Playfic, like, you know, there was, you're trying to sit down and go, this is what's going to happen. They're like, no way. Apple would never let that happen. I'm like, are you even kidding me? That's literally what they're doing. They're, they're, they're cutting the legs out because they don't, they want to give this power to the user. When in reality, it was more a play for, we're going to create our own network and you're going to have to use it. And I think the, the more Apple started talking about its solution, the less people really understood about it, you know? And then it was this, and it was the SCAD, and then we're going to have these, this, parameter and then there's this uh, threshold and blah, blah, blah. People are like, what, what's going on? And so I think eventually everyone just kind of sat back and were like, I don't know what's going to happen. I know I'm just going to spend a lot of money on iOS right now while I can. And then when it finally came, it was almost like, okay, everybody's doing fingerprinting anyway. You know, we still have all these solutions which can circumvent this system. I guess until Apple starts banning apps that have the actual MMPs inside, then I'll start freaking out. But for now, everything's fine. I think my main concern was the deadline because the initial deadline was pretty aggressive. If you guys remember, I think they announced it in June and they wanted to release it in September. And when we started talking about like free pop-ups and whatnot, there was no way that was gonna be implemented in like two, three months um, time. Um, so th there was a concern that like no one would be ready. And I think there was like an industry-wide concern. And when they extended the deadline, there was a huge kind of sigh of relief, even though like that just meant, you know, procrastination for a lot of studios. Um, but in general, you know, when they announced the release, I, I was just like uh, focused on learning more, learning everything about it, because changes are not necessarily bad. You know, they're they just like push you to like you know work more and figure out like different solutions, and they could potentially give you a competitive edge, which is what I was looking looking forward to. Uh, but it was really really hard to kind of find any information to figure out like what what is the 
ratio can use to kind of to, to kind of provide that competitive edge and to build that competitive edge. It was, it was just like, a, you know, it, it was just a weird period because there was very little information out there and, and Apple was pretty quiet about everything. And the second thing, uh, I, th I was a bit concerned about like what's going to happen with Facebook and Google and their kind of advanced bidding solutions without like revenue postbacks and without the ability to kind of to, to listen to every single postback out there. Uh, but over time, you know, like the entire industry kind of was helping each other, each other and trying to figure this out. So we're definitely now in like a better period than like a year ago when they just announced it or like I'm in a better spot. Yeah, uh, I totally agree with Nebo. I think like um, the time we had to get ready for this change, uh, it was ridiculous uh, when they first uh, announced it. Um, and then it was ridiculously too long because we waited for a year. So I think like uh, Apple should definitely work on, <laughs> on the deadline. Um, on my side, the concern was as well if all the industry was going to be able to be okay on something. Um, you know, we had all those, those um, group, no IDFA, no problem. And I was really glad that people uh, went in the same direction. Um, I think it was really important uh, for our business and for the sustainability as well of advertising. So I'm really glad uh, that people, uh, they, they went into this all together. Um, but I'm a bit disappointed now on how everyone is doing uh, his own uh, probabilistic conversion values and that there is no uh, harmony in this, like everything is broken because at the end of the day, a lot of folks decided to go in their own direction. And I think it's it's not something that would benefit to the industry at the end. Thank you all, by the way, for your answers. Like, um, so from my end, again, contributing my own opinion. So I think from my side, personally, it was pretty obvious that Apple will do this already somewhere in May of 2019, because, you know, when Apple employees, especially high ranking ones, post something, it's always approved by the company. And I remember when we were working on incremental and pitching to investors, Early on, we used to say, you know, Apple might do this and it might change the entire measurement space and then gives us a bit more space. And we never knew, you know, when and when and when. And then Apple actually made the announcement while we started talking with uh, investors and so on. We were able to close our round pretty quickly. So pretty good for incremental, I would say. You're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, kind of moving to the next question, three months later, what do you actually see also I don't know if you want to mention what is the opt-in rate because there is absolutely no unbiased sources for this. We see, you know, some companies whose interest is to say, oh, we see like 70% and some companies who say 5%. So what are you seeing overall, SKN network, ATT, so on? So I can begin. So uh, on my side, uh, I work on something that is called the lab. So I work on a lot of different uh, genre of uh, causal games from idle to merge game to a lot of different uh, sub-genre of games that are amazing. Uh, and what I can tell you is that depending on the games you have, the opt-in rate is, um, I mean, so the appetite from the opt-in rate is uh, totally crazily different. Um, so I wouldn't be able like to say actually, it's, it's maybe a bit disappointing, but I think the main take to, 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 to take from it is that no matter the numbers, depending on the product you have, the game you have, you are not going to have the same um, numbers. 
yes, and on the preparation of scan network, like, yeah, it was a big shift for, for prototype, uh, to be honest. Um, we basically did the integration and we, we went uh, compliant. Yeah, I can't really talk too much about opt-in rates, honestly, because I essentially stopped marketing on iOS. I mean, I just, it wasn't a focus for me anymore. I mean, iOS was always pretty expensive and we just, and I was, and I know SCAD Network is, is a really, first of all, it's a terrible name. I mean, SCAD Network, the people, we would call it, I always talk about SCADs. So it's, anyway, that's neither here nor there. But um, I think that what we were seeing was that the rates were low, you know, in the 30s. And it was impacting ad revenue, of course. And it was creating more trouble to try and figure out. I mean, only just now is Coachava like saying, hey, it's even ready for us to test. So we've just now started testing it again to see if it actually provides any value because it, when it actually launched, we were like testing and it wasn't working at all. We're like we're getting postbacks here, but not here. Why is this happening? Like nobody knew what the hell was going on. And I think, you know, to Claire's point, this, you know, that this everyone did their own thing, right? Was could have been a competitive advantage as Nuvo mentions, but I think the, the biggest issue is, is that this whole idea of the conversion value, the way Apple set it up, you know, we're all coming from this idea of like, we need to know what we're doing. And they were like, well, actually, no, you don't. I mean, I remember back in the day I had, when they came and they were talking about, they were like, we can tell you how many, how much, if you guys remember this, might be before some of your times, they were, they were pitching the idea of CPI. We can tell you how much an install costs. We're like, dude, that's like, that's like what everybody, what about how much money people are spending? Like, whoa, that's privacy. You can't talk about that. And that was like 2013, you know, 14. When, and I think what Apple has done now is try to also sort of curtail the industry in that, in that way. And so the, the kind of long-term impact on that is, I think people will just continue to sort of flee and move, move more and more into Android. Although Android is not talking about doing something similar. I don't think it will have the level of predatory pop-ups that you'll have. It'll be more like the cookie space. Everybody accepts cookies because who cares? But nobody accepts the pop-up because it's really awfully written. <laughs> yeah, I think one more thing that that's interesting to mention is that it just took like a long time to understand uh, the basically SK network postbacks. And you know, the the there was like a lot of issues initially with null values and why why there are so many null values and how do we optimize our conversion value design to kind of send more conversion value data uh, to MPs and then they make better decisions on the user acquisition front. So a lot of things change. I, I think we're still in the learning in the learning phase. A good thing is um, a good thing is that you know things will get cheaper. So someone will figure this out and we'll be able to do opportunistic UA for a little for some time. Um, my bet is that some casual game is going to do it because they are going to benefit directly from like lower costs um, and they don't really care about targeting, uh, which is what's impacted the most here. Um, because it's just like a different, again, we're in a different reality right now and someone will be able to leverage that, this kind of unique opportunity. Um, in terms of opt-in rates, like everybody will tell you, they're all over the place. I cannot, again, share the exact numbers, but you know, you can see the numbers anywhere between like 3% to like 50%, um, you know, in all the reports that are available out there. And it's definitely something that, that a lot of my industry friends as well are talking about or like sharing. So uh, I don't think there's like a number, a uh, setting stone number that's, that's, that's kind of like one size fits all solution or number. Yeah, we, uh, well, we had an interesting time because we had some pretty high, uh, high opt-in rates. Um, and then when the 
iOS settings changed, um, which was the, the setting about, uh, you know, show me, show me the pop-ups or not then. Um, the, the, you know, I think we, we saw it drop rapidly from like 50% opt-in to like 20%. Um, so that was pretty, that was pretty over a quite a fairly brief period. Um, the, what has happened now, uh, I mean, what has happened over the past months uh, from what we can see as well, uh, iOS got actually um, not as cheap as we were hoping. <laughs> Uh, Android got more expensive than we were hoping, um, and uh, the, but there has been a decrease of iOS uh, spending, and the great news is the ad monetization was not so heavily impacted as initially expected. Um, so that that was a that was a plus. Um, what was a little disappointing not just for us, but I think for many others I spoke to uh, in our space, was that you know we were promised uh, custom conversion events and all these other great facilities to read into data and nothing worked. Uh, I think Nebo was mentioning the null value. I mean, we were fighting with that, but we were fighting with um, the, uh, the MMP not being able to speak to the network or the network not speaking to the MMP, the Apple not uh, doing something else, and so uh, yeah, we that was that was a, a giant pain in the in the neck. Moving on to the last question we had, um, so did you make any significant changes? I think Adam, you already addressed this. You basically cut down iOS because you know iPhone users, they're not important. You know we're not interested in them anymore. They're not spending money on apps. But uh, you know, yeah, it has make any other significant marketing changes strategy-wise that you can share uh, since ATT. I mean, yeah, so obviously I mentioned that we shifted a lot of budget. I mean, that's why Android got expensive because everyone was like, yeah, I can't track this. And my marketing manager is telling me I got I to gotta pull a ROAS report and half my, you know, and 65% or 70% of what I'm buying isn't available to be tracked. So, you know, I think there was this, like, I don't know where I'm standing with this. And so I just feel more comfortable, even if it's bad, I, at least I know it's bad. And so, you know, that was kind of the, the shift that I was seeing from, from a lot of companies, just putting a lot more emphasis on, on Android. And also because of, because nobody currently today is set up to, to run contextual. You know, most companies don't really don't remember what it's like to kind of go through and, and look at sub publishers and really try and understand like the value of one publisher over another and then tell their network like that's the place we got to go or have the algorithm point to that because the, the device graph basically took care of all that. And so I think the you know, that change has created a, a huge vacuum for, for, for iOS in terms of how people are thinking about it. And so I just don't it's not that there's been some massive shift is that I just think that there's a, a lack of knowledge. If you've started in marketing in the last five years, you basically have never heard of contextual targeting, unless you're in like some other industry <laughs> other than what we are in. But that's that's the case. And I think there's iOS is sort of pushing that knowledge to be learned, but it's only old people, well, I guess like me and some of us are also you're old, Claire, you're not you're young and youthful. But um <laughs> uh, the uh yeah, anyway, that's my answer. Um, I think on my side, it's really the creative. Like, to be honest, uh, I think Gameloft is best in class in a creative strategy. And it's something that 
user acquisition managers they just forgot, like uh, they just, uh, you know, rely on audiences, on uh, on an algorithm and so on, and they just forgot that, you know, like, uh, like the ad you are displaying to your user, if it's not something good, it's just not going to work, your CPI is going to be terrible. Uh, if same your store page is not great, your CDR is going to be terrible. So uh, I think uh, the winner from this are people that care about creative and that have a great creative uh, as well, and that know how to have a specific process uh, of creative testing and how to get the best value from it. I think it's worth mentioning that uh, we could have had a great winner out of uh, all of this situation, but we didn't. Um, uh, the the MMPs, uh, they could have tackled the challenge a bit differently, perhaps on a more united front, perhaps. Some tried, maybe, uh, but we'll leave that to the history books. Um, so we've been trying to look at different things uh, that basically we're doing with that, partly with increase of, uh, you know, we've noticed a remarkable increase in organics on iOS, which are obviously coming from paid. So how do we slice those away and how do we track them or try to give them some semblance of tracking and try to understand, you know, how this affects, how this is affected by paid. Um, looking at, you know, various other signals that we see in the data that could give us some guidance as to whether, you know, we should be spending more or less in, in one channel versus another. Um, the, the signals are still there, but they're less frequent and uh, less data rich. Uh, so it's a little bit challenging to, to make big decisions at the moment. Um, uh, but, you know, we'll see. Things are evolving even on the documentation front with, with Apple, to be fair, that's been gradually improving over time. Well, I'm muted, so I cannot say, but I can say that you know, we measured with uh, one of the gaming customers for Incremental, what did basically post ATT influence? And the question from the customer was, you know, we're not getting it. We see, we see incrementality in organic, but, but we're basically lost the pay traffic. And the explanation was quite simple. Well, before ATT, since MMP was doing the attribution, there was a lot of cannibalization of organics. And now you kind of see that, well, your organics were actually higher than what you attributed. It changes how you can spend your budget. It doesn't mean it was bad or fraud or whatever. It's just, it gives you an opportunity. Anyway, we are out of time. Actually, we are over time. And many of you probably are busy people with many meetings. So, I want to thank you all uh, for your time and participation. Again, welcome back. Um, and yeah, thank you all and have a great rest of the day or evening for you, depending on where you are in the world. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for the invite. And uh, congratulations, Filippo, on the victory yesterday. <laughs>